Hi guys and welcome to episode 12 of the Around the World podcast. This week's episode is with Andy Dixon, club historian of Sheffield FC. Sheffield FC are the world's oldest football club. This is officially recognised by FIFA and the FA. So this should be a great podcast and I can't wait to share with you the club's history. Also we'll talk a little bit about its current situation now and how the guys are doing in league football and just about what tier they're in. We'll also talk a lot about their stadium as well. It sounds like a great little stadium and definitely one for the ground hoppers that are listening to go to. I can't wait to go to the ground myself and also meet up with Andy and discuss the club. So I hope you all enjoy. So thanks, Andy, for coming on the podcast tonight. Could you give us a, a brief introduction to start us off? Yeah, I'm uh, Andy Dixon. I'm club historian for Sheffield FC. Um, obviously, fairly well known as the world's oldest football club. Um, so there's plenty of history to study and, and, and I do other bits around the club as well. Excellent, thanks for that. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Um, that's obviously what drew me into asking you guys to come on the podcast and uh, yeah, I'm very glad that you agreed to speak to me uh, tonight. Um, yeah, we'll come on to the club's sort of history in a second now, but yeah, you've, you know, the club's huge. I actually, to be honest with you, didn't realise how big it was um, and sort of the massive names in football that have come down to the club and celebrated it with you. But um, yeah, it's certainly a club to be proud of. Yeah, it, it it's strange, really. I just uh, I was originally a, a Sheffield Wednesday fan, um, and it was my son when he was really young wanted to go to a game, so we went there just because they're the oldest club, and you know it's, it's such a small club um, at, at non-league level. When you you go down and you watch, and then as you get more involved, you find out the interest across the world is is absolutely huge. Um, I've, I've sort of done interviews in the last few years with Spanish, Italian, German TV, Japanese TV, uh, Russian TV. Wow. It's, uh, it, it's crazy, the interest for a, for a club of our size, really. Yeah, and it's, it's a, such a great story. I mean, I, I love um, sort of, you know, non-league football and lower league football, so to speak. Um, and yeah, it's just such a cracking story for, for the groundhoppers that are listening as well. And we'll come on to the stadium later on, but it's such a great story. So yeah, could you sort of maybe talk to us a little bit about the club history then? So I believe it originated in 1857. Is that right? Yeah, so it, it kind of dates back ever so slightly before then, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the club's formed in in, in that year. Um, so it's it's uh, the Sheffield Cricket Club, which uh, later actually changed into Yorkshire Cricket. Um, and there were players who were just playing cricket. Obviously, lots of people played football at, at school, um, but all the schools had different rules and so on. So they played football during the winter months to keep fit. And they've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, and then it's Nathaniel Creswick and William Prest um, who just headed up the idea of actually forming a football club to to organise slightly playing these games. They, they were essentially cricketers, um, but they thought, well, we may as well organise a football club to do it. Um, I think they discussed that during the cricket season. It was only at the end of the season um, that it, it's officially formed on, on the 24th of October. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it it was basically. Uh, I mean, the question that we get time and time again is: if you're the first club, who did you play against? <laughs> um, and and the answer is quite simply: you know, when you played in the playground at school, who did you play against? Yeah. You just 
they split themselves up into two teams, put different coloured caps on and and off they went. Um, And that's all the club was designed to do. Um, Kind of with hindsight, you think, wow, it was the birth of club football and so on, so on. But for over three years, it wasn't really. It was just an organised club, mostly playing games amongst themselves, although they did play externally against a couple of local army sites. Okay. Um, just they played on it's the army barracks for anybody who knows Sheffield um, Hillsborough Barracks where there's now a Morrison's um, so the car park behind that Morrison's um, is probably the first game between a football club and, and an external team okay it's, it's a shame really that there's nothing well I, I don't know Sheffield that well but is there anything there to sort of commemorate it where that game first game of football happened or um, I don't think there's anything for that. Yeah. Um, the first club game obviously follows that. We're not sure exactly about Hallam was the cricket club. Yeah. Um, but it was formed involving ex-members of Sheffield FC. So we think there may have been some falling out amongst members. Okay. Um, and they went and formed their own cricket club. Um, sorry, their own football club. Um, now, that. So the first game between two clubs was played at Hallam's Sandigate ground, which is still there. It's still where Hallam play to this day. Um, so obviously that's fairly well, fairly well marked out yeah. um, and recorded. Our first ground is now a car park um, in a B&Q <laughs> <laughs> near the train station in Sheffield. And there are actually discussions to get a plaque or or some recognition of that put up ah, um, in the B&Q. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know how they're progressing. <laughs> no, that sounds good. I think that definitely should be something, you know, to commemorate. That's very important, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of kind of footballing stuff that goes on around Sheffield. There is an app you can download that takes you on a walk um, that walks through sort of some of the early sites of football. But it, it would be great to see Sheffield doing a bit more, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so I, sh- I should add, really, so you're actually um, recognised as the world's oldest football club by the English FA and FIFA as well? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so some work was kind of done on that. It, it's always, um, since being really young, I, I knew that was the case. But yeah. um, when the current chairman, Richard Timms, got involved, I think kind of very much of his plan was to take the non-league club but to build up the brand and and part of that was making those contacts with the FA and FIFA and you know get, getting that recognition that officially this was the case so uh, it does yeah it, it, it's important really to, to yeah. have that I mean of course I mean that's you know that's that's the, that's massive for the for the club and also you know for English football in general to get that sort of place nailed down um, so obviously the world's oldest football club, but you've uh, there's, you've achieved a lot more as well. So uh, would it be fair to say sort of the biggest trophy the club has won is the FA Amateur Cup in 1904? Yeah, so that that's the only national trophy yeah. that they've ever won. Um, actually, was Sheffield played in in the FA Cup? Um, I think I could be wrong. That's third year. Possibly we played in it. Okay. Um, and until then, it was essentially a London-based cup. Um, it, it was teams just from in and around London. Um, and, and Sheffield joining kind of helped it spread. So over the next five years, we reached three quarterfinals. 
um, but sort of tended to have to travel and, and play against London teams and um, seemed to keep drawing the best team. Um, and I don't know if that was just random chance. Yeah. But Sheffield were a leading club for so long. Um, of course. We had England internationals in the early international yeah. games and so on. And then as the game, as the professional game came in, lots of clubs who remained amateur started to get left behind. It was actually Sheffield who suggested to the FA forming an amateur cup for yeah. teams that had remained amateur. The FA rejected the idea and then a year later came up with the great idea of an amateur cup, <laughs> um, which was their idea. Um, so, yeah, after, after not much success, and eventually we did win it in 1904. The nearest we've got to anything like that since is... Uh, 1977, we got to the FA Vars final, which is the only time we've ever played at Wembley. So, oh, nice. uh, came close, but didn't quite make it. Yeah, that time. that's not still very big. And um, obviously, we discussed the amateur cup there, sort of being the major trophy the club's won. Um, but you touched on it there recently. The club, you know, did, was really amongst the big times. You said you had England internationals there. Um, and when I was reading a little bit about the history earlier. Um, I was reading that as sort of clubs that were turning professional, such clubs sort of included like the likes of Villa, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, you were sort of playing alongside those. But as Sheffield FC sort of remained amateur, that's when they sort of uh, began to sort of fall down the leagues. Is that is that sort of right? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you look at the... Um, where we didn't join a league till around the time Sheffield United were formed, yeah. so late 1880s. Um, but yeah, if you, if you look back to the record books, we're playing against certainly teams like Forest yeah. and Notts County. That's right, yeah. Um, teams like Villa and, and, and we're competing with them. Exactly. And then yeah. suddenly in the space of a couple of years, you see eight nils turning in and yeah. absolutely, absolutely huge hammerings. And, you know, it, that's where you can pinpoint, uh, you know, where teams were, were starting to pay players um Often they come in before professionalism was recognised, but we know teams were, you know, bringing players down to work in local industries, but yeah. they never actually went and worked there. Yeah. They were essentially professionals. And yeah, they, Sheffield just started to get left sort of further and further behind, really. Yeah. And, um, I well... Obviously, the, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make the club what it is today uh, with the club being non-league and the oldest side um, in the world. But is there sort of a touch of you know what could have been potentially with obviously Sheffield United now being in the Premier League? Um, is there sort of any of that within the club? You know that the club sort of belongs uh, um, along the big time. Yeah, there are some there are some committee notes. I'd, yeah, Sheffield FC when it was started <clears throat> was just a club, and then after a while they stopped playing against local sides. And they weren't seen as a local club. So, like, you've got Hallam and other clubs were springing up. Um, they were just normal local clubs. Sheffield FC began to be seen a bit almost as a representative team of Sheffield. Kind of, I think they saw themselves as the Harlem Globetrotters to, uh, okay. to, to kind of spread the word, really. Yeah, more of an exhibition um, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just almost tore inside, and okay. because they were still playing under the Sheffield rules as well, so yeah. part of that was to spread the gospel of the Sheffield rules yeah. at the time. Um, there is there are notes from a, a committee meeting in eighteen eighty nine where the club discussed turning professional, oh. and they roundly rejected turning professional because Sheffield FC was not for playing for money. It was for the love of the game and should remain 
strictly amateur. Um, a lot of Sheffield kind of, you know, people around the club were quite vociferous in their opposition to the professional game. Um, given it was 1889 they discussed this, and that was also the year Sheffield United was formed, it's possible that United had considered kind of taking Sheffield Football Club to Bramall Lane, and, and yeah. there wouldn't have been a Sheffield United. Yeah. We would have been the professional club. So, amusingly, most of our board, who, who were also players who voted against turning professional, then turned out in trials to play for United <laughs> as professionals. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they played many games and they all slowly appeared back in our side very yeah. quickly after yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think a lot of Scottish players came down and were much better at it by that stage. Yeah. No, I was going to ask because I, I thought that I read um, that the um, the club actually played a few games at Bramall Lane. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it was uh, Bramall Lane, the cricket ground was, um, it was the biggest stadium in Sheffield. So if you had a big game, yeah. you played there. Wednesday also played games there as okay, well. Yeah. Um, big finals, um, the first match of Bramall Lane, the football match, is a big charity match, is Sheffield against Hallam. Um, it was just the place you went to to play big games. Um, Sheffield were actually based there for a, a few years. Um, the cricket club had a deal whereby if you played there, I can't remember the exact arrangement, but it, it, it was pretty much the wayside took half the gate and then the cricket club took, you know, a good percentage of the gate. Yeah. And so actually it, it just was expensive to play there. So it's why Wednesday went and found their own ground. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was an expense to play there, particularly as an amateur side. You, you didn't really see any money, so they kind of priced clubs out yeah, and then realised they'd lost a load of income and yeah. so formed their own football club, which is Sheffield United. OK. No, it's, it's really interesting and it's great to hear about the history of the, the club. So, sort of fast forward 100 years' time, um, before, we okay. come up, before we come up to the, his, the sort of the current um, sort of side and what's going on now, um, I wanted to speak to you about you know some of your more recent honours. Um, so in two thousand and four, you were given the FIFA Order of Merit. Um, yeah. And am I right in saying that this is an absolutely massive deal because I believe it's only been given to sort of one other club, which is actually Real Madrid. Yeah, so it, it, it was, uh, it's the Centenary Order or Centennial Order of Merit. I can't remember right. exactly what it, yeah. it says on it. I've had it hidden in my sock drawer for a while, but <laughs> I can't remember well, the exact wording on it. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had a present, uh, we had a sort of a, a display coming up, so I borrowed it from the club along with what is our oldest trophy um, and, and hid them in my sock drawer for about a week, so... Um, yeah, it was a little not dare leave the house. I was just about um, to say, so just to clarify, they're no longer in the sock drawer. No, 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 no I've, I've handed them back. So <laughs> it, it was more the oldest trophy that was panicking me. I, yeah. I've no idea what that's worth. It, it's actually from an athletics day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's before, it's 1850-something. Um, wow. But it, it does actually say Sheffield Football Club on it, so yeah. it, it's probably the first trophy to kind of say football club on it. It must be because it's older than any other football yeah. club. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so the order of merit um, came with, was awarded by FIFA. 
around the centenary, so Sheffield for obviously our history role in the game and, and Real Madrid for, you know, being the team of the 20th century, really, yeah. with the outrageous European Cups and, That's right, yeah. and so on. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, really, when you you think of those two clubs next to each other. Exactly. I, I think around that time, uh, Richard, the chairman, told me he went, he went to the Bernabeu, um, it's either Madrid or Barcelona. He went to one of them. Yeah. And he met their chairman and was doing the, the stadium tour. Wow. And he said he was overawed by the stadium and wow. Yeah. And all their chairman wanted to do was talk about Sheffield FC. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, again, it's, it's sort of massive for the club to be sort of held alongside, you know, the likes of Real Madrid again. It's, you know, it's, it's just another thing for the story, really. Yeah, it, it, it's huge recognition. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing, really. And, and like I said, some of the... The TVs and, and the interviews we, we get around the world are when you look at all the clubs at our level. Yeah. You know, the interest comes from a small radius around them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then we, we had uh, Mark Schwartz show up yes. last year with an Australian TV crew to, to film before they went to Bramall Lane. And, yeah. you know, just the interest is, is crazy. I, I gave a talk to 15 people from Iceland wow. about our history one time yeah. and they didn't even stay for the game after yeah. they just wanted to come and see the oldest club and yeah. it, it's it's unbelievable really no it's, it's crazy yeah I, I mean I, I've seen sort of your Twitter following alone and yeah you, your club has got like a huge following and it's, it's just, you know it's understandable to see why really um, yeah it, it, it's just a great story it, it's a really great story and uh, it, it it's made even better ultimately by the fact we, we're such a tiny club at the end of it yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think sort of, as I said earlier, non-league sort of clubs and and lower league clubs have sort of have the best stories for me. Yeah, yeah, lots of them were kind of works teams and uh, Penniston Church, who we've played in pre-season. You know, an old church team and nice. miners' welfare clubs and and yeah. so on around here. And yeah, so some of the history is, is amazing around those places. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so in 2007 now, this is moving on to your 150th year um, anniversary. So to be, I wanted to begin by also saying, um, and I hope I've got this right, so you were inducted into the English Football Hall of Fame as well. Yes, yeah, we're, we're mentioned in there. We'd yeah. uh, like to be mentioned a bit more perhaps, I was but say, slightly yeah. of course, controversial yeah. point of view. Yeah, when I went, I was kind of surprised how brushed over it is in, in the early yeah, parts of of the thing. It, it's uh, yeah, it, it it's that constant gripe that the FA think football began with them. I think. Ah, uh, okay. It, okay. It's kind of one thing that we recognise, even as the oldest club, is that we're a step on football's evolution. You know. Yeah, of course. Um, universities and schools were playing it before. Um, there's the Edinburgh Football Club, um, which. My chairman will probably kill me for mentioning who <laughs> existed about 50 years before Sheffield. Um, so I always moan at him at technically our bad saying the world's first football club on it. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's an amazing history and uh, Sheffield plays kind of a huge role in that evolution where clubs start to spread out and, and, and the game starts to kind of expand into what it is today. And I'd like the Football Museum to kind of show a bit more of that but it, it's amazing to be in there yeah, but yeah again for a club of our size yeah 
Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, staying with the sort of 150th year anniversary celebrations, and again, I, I had no idea this happened. So you had sort of Sepp Blatter attended for, for dinner and Pele was there as well? Yeah, we tend to brush the Sepp Blatter a bit under the carpet these yeah. days. But yeah, yeah of course, uh, yeah. But you know, it's still... forgetting the controversy that came after the head of FIFA came over. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Pele came um, Pele into Milan yes. and Ajax into Milan brought. Marco Materazzi with them, who just won the World Cup. Yeah. Um, Mario Balotelli, a very young Mario Balotelli, was playing for them. Yeah, great, great news. Um, But yeah, it it, it was kind of great to be. That's massive again. To just have clubs like that. But I mean, even other things. So the 100th anniversary, um, the Duke of Edinburgh came to the anniversary meal for the 100th. Yeah. Uh, 125th. Manchester United came and played against us. Oh wow! Um, and yeah, obviously for the one fiftieth, you know, in, Inter Milan and Ajax is so it's just amazing. So really, you have you know you have again you still you're still summer managing to sort of play the big the you know the, some of the big teams out there. You're still managing you know to get to get to get some of those uh, big games in. Yeah, there's a yeah there's a few. It's harder, but uh, oh, that's great news. I, I, I suppose the most recent one we had a. a Kind of our, our one of our older players, Matt Roney. He's he's our record appearance maker. Okay, um, he's a big Sheffield United fan. Nice. Um, and United brought a, a full first team squad up to play his testimonial. Oh, nice. Um, I, I can't, all I remember about that game is our scoreboard only goes to nine. Yeah. So the United fans were having to hold a one up in front of the score once they hit double figures. <laughs> um, they took it. They took it quite seriously, but. Yeah. Uh, again, for, for Chris Wilder to do that no, with his his whole squad was uh, was you know amazing, really. Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant news. Um, so, I, obviously, the history is a massive side of the club. But I wanted to speak to you as well, just a bit about the education as well. Um, so, I was looking at your website and stuff, and a massive part of your club seems to be the education. I saw you have like links with Leeds United and some local universities as well. Um, so, are you sort of quite keen to sort of educate people you know just on history not just of your, of your club but of, of English football as well and I noticed some of the scholarships that were going around and stuff and you know it seems to be a really sort of serious side of the club Yeah something has taken off in the last couple of years really so we're now uh, linked up with three academies um, we've put a reserve team together who now kind of play can't remember exactly what step it's at but they're, they're playing in the, the league pyramid um, okay. so these kids are getting a chance to actually you know play the football in addition to their studies as well yeah um, and, and then we've linked up with Leeds United which is starting this season so hopefully uh, we can see a few of their scholars and promising lads appearing in our team that would be quite nice excellent no I, um, I agree and, and a great experience as well I, I'm a big kind of fan of, of young players taking a bit of rough and tumble at, at non-league and yeah. the few that I've seen do it leave you know stronger and better players for it in my opinion I'm, I'm surprised more clubs don't do it really yeah of course it, yeah it's what it's one thing going through sort of a normal academy but I think you've got to get those minutes in you and yeah playing in all sorts of conditions and stuff yeah I just I, I, I think as well there's there's something very different. Yeah, when you're playing academy, you're playing against people your age. But yeah. something very different about a big non-league centre half who's played his whole career there, and that's right. You know, he's, he's not afraid to be physical with you. And yeah, uh, yeah, some players that 
our level don't look like footballers, but they tend to be the ones with a hell of a lot of skill on and uh, right, yeah. you know, very different challenge. I, I just, yeah, for, for a month or two, I think players certainly certainly can learn stuff. We, we've had a few through who've come down and, and then, you know, gone on and certainly left as, as better players, I suppose to biggest success story on that would be Matt Loughton who's playing okay. Premier League now so. yeah 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 of course no, again that's just huge yeah we had him from uh, United for most oh. of the season so yeah that's really good you know, again that's another huge thing I didn't even know that no that's massive so what I wanted to come on to next was the Club of Pioneers so this sort of is a, a network between sort of you and some of the other older clubs in football and in different countries yeah so it did and it's simply, it's basically just an attempt to find the oldest club in every country and okay. and get them to sign up to this. There's, there's always controversy about these things um, as, as to which is the oldest. And you get some clubs, I think, is it, is it Munich or Munich 1860, but they don't start uh, playing football until a long time after that. Yeah. It's when an athletics club was formed. So, so yeah, so uh, it, it, it's just about to do that. Um We've had some tournaments, played some games against them. Last summer, we were supposed to be going to Vienna oh, nice. to play first Vienna with the oldest club in Austria, Very nice. um, which would have been amazing. Um, but obviously, the travel bans and everything that came in meant yeah. we had to cancel that and couldn't do it in the end. But um, they still seem really keen on on their history and, and getting to do that in the future. So, uh, oh, that'd be that. No, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. That would be great, but it's, yeah, it's just a cool piece of history. And again, even within that, you find some clubs are tiny, some clubs are, are quite big. Um, I, I think it's, I can't remember which of which Genoa are definitely in it. Um, and it's Recreativo Hueva in Spain. And, you know, quite big clubs really yeah. compared to us. Of course. Um, but they're really keen on, on our history and, and they love it. They both came across for a tournament with us a couple of years ago. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing, really, that they sent... So I think Jenna was sent across a lot of ex-players with 200 caps and all sorts and, and hammered everybody because we put mostly fans' teams out. But <laughs> yeah. it was it was still a great tournament. Um, and Bruce Dortmund sent a veterans team across this year to play against some of their fans. Fantastic. Um, at our ground, so... Um, you know, again, it was a pleasure to go down and watch that as well. Yeah, great club, Bristol Dortmund. Are. They've got great fans as well. They are. They've, yeah. they've been huge supporters of, of sort of us and our history um, and taken a really interest in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and again, we've, we've played against them at, at some stage. Oh, wow, um, yeah. So, with, with, with the club now, with Sheffield FC now, so what um, sort of league and level, you know, um, tier of English football are you at now? Okay, so it's the Northern Premier League, yeah. Division 1 South East is where we are. So, in, 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 all, yeah, in all of English football, it's uh, Level 8. Level 8, okay. Um, so, yeah, above us we have a Premier Division. And after that, you're into National League North and and then on to the National League. So, actually, I found the other day, it was um, Harrogate, who okay. just went into the league, um, started, we played them in 19, about mid-1980s, we played them in the Northern Counties. 
which is levels below us. Okay. We played Harrogate in that, so their story is, you know, an amazing turnaround, yeah. really. Yeah, of course. Um, coming from below where we are now to to get into the football league and yeah, and, and the squad they've done it with as well. They've they've not spent money. They've done it with you know non-league players. Uh, we've got two ex players in their team, so okay. uh, that's cool. It, it's great. So it's level eight. So yeah. Moving up, our chairman always says National League North kind of achievable. Yeah. Um, beyond that, you'd be struggling. Yeah, of course. Without kind of going professional, really. Yeah. Certainly throwing money at it. Problem for us is always having two big professional teams. Yeah. We'll always struggle to build up huge fan base. So, you know, the hope is always to, to go up one level, possibly two, but okay. let's see. Let's see. No, that's good. That's good to hear your sort of yeah your ambitions for the future. And so, are you have you been fairly stable in that league for the last few years? Yeah, we went into it what two thousand and seven. Yeah. Uh, so we'd been in Northern Counties since it formed in in the eighties. It, it was Yorkshire League before that. Yeah. We, we bounced about till the end of the Second World War, really. After which, we're in Yorkshire League in the eighties, that was replaced by Northern Counties. So. We'd always effectively been at that level, really. So we went up 2007. We've had a couple of playoff runs. Uh, we did reach a final, but lost on penalties. Um, and uh, when we got in the playoffs a couple of years ago, we got in the playoffs. Um, but bizarrely, we couldn't have gone up even if we'd have won it. Wow. I'm not going. I'm not going into the maths of that, but it was yeah. slightly <laughs> frustrating at the time. Yeah, um, that sounds interesting. So, yeah, we seem to have bounced between being around the playoffs and, you know, kind of edging towards the bottom half of the tail and so on. Okay. So much of this is money and budgets and, of and bits of luck, really. Yeah, um, yeah. let's hope you do it in the future. It'd be great to sort of see you, you know, up a couple of divisions. But even so, you know, eighth tier is still, you know, that's still, it's still quite high when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's surprising these days how kind of professional things are, really. Yeah. Um, you know, how much work goes on behind the scenes. It's not just turning up on a Saturday. As you get involved, it, I found it quite surprising. I think we've, we've got a women's side as well who um, actually got promoted into the Super League. They were the first team to be promoted to the Super League. And we tried to actually play there um but the costs the costs were huge um yeah. basically we wouldn't have been able to do it fortunately the the world cup bid from qatar has links to sheffield and and so they sponsored our women's team kind of for the year wow it was a, i won't yeah. quote it but it was a, it was a eye-raising amount of money for a club oh, at our level yeah it just yeah. got it just got swallowed in year one gosh and then they, they just kept throwing the prices up and up and yeah. up and, you know, it was going to take our club under. We couldn't of course. sustain it. So, uh, yeah, and that's yeah absolute, it, that's, it's balancing money at this level. Of course, that's, and that's the absolute last thing you want. I mean, you know, you've, you've lasted for so long. Uh, that's the main thing, isn't it? I mean, if you could keep the club going, that, that's sort of the main ambition, isn't it, really? Just to sort of keep going. But yeah, as much as you go, I mean, it, it's always... It's a difference coming from professional football. I always say, you know, you, you go when you want to win the game yeah. and then you have a pint and a shout about it for an hour afterwards. That's right. And then you remember it's just a game and wait for the next one. And it, it yeah, you want to win, but there are more important things. It, it was our club president who, who was 
the next player, um, I can't remember when he, he started around the 60s and he's never left. Um, wow. He's done every, He played uh, about 200 games and then has done every job in the club yeah. as well. Oh, um, he, he's now lifetime president, but he summed it up once. I had him do an interview and he said, the thing with this club is it can never go under. Yeah. Because it, even if we go out of business for, you know, clubs wind up and reform, if we do that, the story's gone. It's yeah. it, it's the whole continuous thing. And yeah, it, it's it's more important than anything that it, it keeps going. But there are plans to build as well. So I, I know you're going to get onto the ground in a bit, but technically yeah. our, our ground is in uh, Derbyshire. Yeah. Um, so the club never owned its own ground in its whole history. Okay. Um, even back to their first ground, it was known as Farmer Turner's Field because it, it was the dad of one of the players just had a, wow. a kind of field adjacent to somewhere they could change and that's where they started. Yeah. Um, and it was only about 2000, I think it was, they actually moved to the coaching horses, got their own ground, but yeah, technically we're in Derbyshire, so we do want to move back yeah. towards Sheffield. There are plans to do that. Okay. In well, ideally as quickly as possible, but in the near future we, we have some we have some land, but there's there's planning permission and Excellent. you know funding and yeah lots of lots of money is needed for these yeah. things and uh, it, it's often hard to come by unless yeah. you're a huge club. Oh that, no, that'd be great to see it back in Sheffield. Um, I know that'd be that'd be great to see in the future. Um, so at present, I, I hear the name Coach and Horses. Um, so is that the same stadium that you have now called uh, the home of football stadium? Is that? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. So we we call it the home of football. Obviously, that's you know. Yeah. around the brand and, and the history of yeah. it and so on. Um, but yeah, the, the actual ground is, is the coaching horse's ground. It's, it's in Dromfield. Um, Great name. So it did belong to, uh, there, there was a team in Dromfield. Um, it was Dromfield United. They were known as something else at some stage. And I think they were struggling and Sheffield basically took over the, the stadium and, and Dromfield ceased to be, although there is now another team in Dromfield. So yeah, the the coaching horse is is named after the pub that is behind. So um, as you drive up to it, the first thing you will notice is a pub that will be a landmark to look out for. Yeah, nice. and then the stadium is literally behind that, but it's Great. it's a proper rail ale pub. Yeah, so there's no bar in the grounds. You go outside to fetch your pint from the proper pub at, at half time. So it's uh, it's quite an experience for that, but. As our chairman keeps grumbling, it doesn't make you much money that way. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like a fantastic little ground, though. And I, I know there's a, there are a few ground hoppers that listen to this podcast, so I'm uh, hopefully some of those will check it out. And I, I hope that I can come down and check it out in the future. That'd be nice. I like a good uh, real ale pub as well. So, so that sounds fantastic. A, a good game of football. Yeah, if if you like an ale and non-league football, Perfect. I would affect. Highly recommend it, and if you turn up, ask for me and drop the podcast name as well. <laughs> ah, nice, thank you. Yeah, I will do. No, that sounds brilliant. I'll definitely do that in the future. Hopefully, uh, when restrictions allow, uh, no, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, well, we're we're edging back now to we had fans in on Saturday. Oh, really? For the first yeah. for the first time. Yeah. So um, below national leagues, you've got limits. So we played. It's a team below us, but they were allowed 150 in. Um, they didn't get to that number, but yeah, it was great to sort of see people back with everything we've been doing it's fantastic. so far. 
behind closed doors and all the, the crowds are not huge. Yeah. You know, just walking around and chatting to people and yeah, it's, it's all very different. It was great having that. We were supposed to be doing Matlock on Tuesday night. Amazingly, it was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. I know. Um, <laughs> which is fairly outrageous, but um, I think we've we've put it on for the start of September and technically I think is it six hundred they've said they're allowed in. Okay. It might be it might be yeah. three, possibly six hundred, so yeah. fingers crossed there'll be a, a good crowd in that. But uh, yeah, hopefully we we're getting crowds back and we just couldn't do it without crowds at of our course. level. Um what what so what actually capacity is the stadium? Good question. Um, <laughs> I I think it's I think it's listed at just over two thousand. Yeah. Um, you would be struggling with that. Yeah. If I I know if I look for that testimonial against United that I told you about. Uh, of course, yeah. If I can just find it, now the crowd for that was just over one thousand six hundred. Okay, and that was more uh, a sellout, yeah. Um, that was. Pretty full, yeah. yeah, <laughs> it, was, yeah, yeah. It, it felt cosy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you could probably squeeze another 400 in there, but you, you're pushing it at that. Yeah, of course. Um, we very rarely travel that. We, we're around 300 normally. Okay. I still have um, crowd, big yeah. games. So we've, we've had some big cup games and stuff. Um, we got to the last round of qualifying and we, we talked a 1,000. Um, so, yeah, we, we could get up to those figures for kind of our games. Nice. And do, do you tend to get quite a few ground hoppers there? Do you notice at all? Um, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we have so quite a few people say they're coming. Um, I think for ground hoppers, he's probably one to take off, really. Just of course. Not so much necessarily because of the ground. Um, although, like I said, with, with the pub and you know the whole quaintness of it, it's really great. But, you know, just, just to visit the oldest club and so on. We, we get ground hoppers from around the world as well. We, we had a man of the match thing last season and we... We got them on the pitch to do it. There were some from China and some from Holland. And, and you know, they'd come across to go to a, a few games in England. And, uh, you know, everybody does Man U and Wednesday and United and stuff like that. Yeah, but of course. It's amazing how many people put our tiny little ground on their list, really. So, uh, yeah, we, we seem to do okay for ground hoppers. That's fantastic. And like I said, I'm, um, no, I'll be looking forward to coming down um, in the future. So, yeah, I think that that's sort of we've covered, you know, the history and everything with the club. I think that's sort of everything I wanted to discuss. I was just wondering if there's anything else you know you wanted to finish up with at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I can go on for hours and hours and hours about it. Um, <laughs> I kind of I'm just, just trying to think of a, a couple of stories, kind of from the the thing. I, one of my favourite stories, and I've never got where this comes from or exactly how true it is or <laughs> how much it's uh, it, it's a bit of a fairy tale but I, I love the story so much going going through all the history is around when the rules were starting so it, it's said that the club wrote to the schools and universities and said please can you send us a copy of your rules for football yeah and then they put those together and kept the bits they liked and so on they went down what kind of was a Cambridge rule of trying to rule handling out of the game. So Sheffield rules became very much about ball on the floor with your feet. Yeah. Um, you weren't to handle it. But of course, they'd all been playing in schools where it was much more rugby style game. So the story is that probably because they were Yorkshiremen, known to be incredibly tight-fisted people, 
that the players had to play with a coin in their hand. So when the ball came to you, if you put your hands up and caught it, you dropped your coin and lost your money. Wow, yeah. That's a great and so And so, yeah, they all had to play with a coin in their hand because Yorkshiremen aren't letting go of money and yeah. that helped them to take catching and, and handling out of the game and they all got used to it, so... Oh, it's a fantastic story, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely believe that. Yeah, that's when I can get. I, love, I, I just love the story so much. It's one of those I'm going to believe it's true. Yeah, of course. Exactly how true it is or not, it's, it's a great story. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, um, and it's been fantastic to speak to someone who's so passionate about non-league football like myself, and who's so you know passionate about the club. Um, it's been great to learn about your club, and um, yeah, I hope all the listeners have enjoyed. And uh, I look forward to coming up hopefully in the not too distant future. I, I wasn't, I was quite shocked to hear that you, you know you've got fans in already. Um, so I'm from Wales. I didn't, I didn't, and well, we don't have that here at all. So um, no, it's definitely one that I can see myself at. Hopefully, you know, not too far away. Yeah, absolutely. I think some are ticketing and so on, but we're yeah, getting there. We're getting there. So hopefully soon, and, and do let me know before you come. I will do. Thank you very much.